Good morning, uh, CBC family. Um, good morning to you as well, friends who are joining us from uh, different places. We um, come together again this morning as we think about um, this day, Easter, um, where our Lord um, died for our sins. Um, it is important to to remind ourselves and to meditate on this um, day because Christianity um, hangs on the historical events of um, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Without Christ dying on the cross, being buried for three days, and rising on the dead uh, from the dead, there is no Christianity. And so it is fitting that as Christians we remind ourselves, and not only just to remind ourselves, but to rejoice that our sin has been truly forgiven, to, to rejoice and, and, and to even comfort ourselves. I remember uh, the, 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 I think the second stanza in the hymn, um, It is well with my soul, when the singer says, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. And, 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 and so we remind ourselves of, the, of these realities. And um, as a way of doing that, I just want to take you to, a, to one verse in the Bible, um, John chapter 1, verse 29. I want us to uh, focus um, and zoom in on this one verse and uh, remind ourselves of the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world, uh, the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, it is John chapter 1, verse 29. Let me read from, from this verse, and then we will pray together, and then we'll continue. John chapter 1, verse 29 says, The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the lamp of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, indeed it is a great joy to, to know that we have Christ as our Lord who died on the cross for us who became a perfect substitutionary um, sacrifice, um, uh, who paid um, the price for our sin, who, who became a ransom for us. And so, Lord, we rejoice as we think about that. We rejoice knowing that there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. Lord, we pray that even as we take this time to reflect on your word, as we take this time to meditate on the truth of your word, that our hearts will be lifted up to you in praise, in worship, and in the honor of your name. In the precious, Jesus, in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray this. Amen. My very first memory verse um, when I was a child was uh, John chapter 1, verse 29. I remember how excited I was when I 
finally memorized those words. Uh, but um, it proved itself a treasure to me when I was in university and I was an unbeliever in university um, living my own life. One day um, when I woke up in the morning, um, God brought to memory um, uh, 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 all the teachings that I, I was taught when I was young, everything about the Bible that I was taught, God brought it to memory. And I woke up with a great fear in my heart. For, for the very first time in my life, I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that my sin was against God and that, that the wages of sin is death. All those Bible lessons that I was taught came assaulting my conscience at full speed. And I was convinced that because of my sin, I was heading to hell. I, I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I knew that I had sinned against God. And the only thing I could remember uh, very well and, and clearly was the, the first memory verse that I uh, memorized. The first verse that I memorized, John chapter 1, verse 29, I remember reciting that to myself as I lay there in my bed. And, and I was saying to myself, Behold, the lamp of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and based on this verse, I called out to the Lord. And I believe that day the Lord saved my soul. And I knew and experienced a joy that I had never known before. What I want to do is take you as well um, through this verse this morning as, as a way of reminding you of the significance of Good Friday, of the significance of what Christ has done for the believer. But not only that, um, but as a way to plead with you, my friends, if you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. In this verse, we find John the Baptist being a witness of the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Remember that um, as John says these words, it is, it is a day uh, after he was interrogated by the priest, the Levites, and the Pharisees, asking who he was. And, and he responds to them. He tells them that he is not the Messiah. He is not Elijah, and he is not the prophet. And so the next day, um, although John doesn't record the baptism of Jesus Christ, it, it, it is assumed here that this is um, after the baptism of Christ. And as he sees Christ coming, he looks at him and he points his disciples and says about Christ, Behold, the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world. And I see, as I look at this passage, I see John as, 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 a, as, a, as, a, as a heart practitioner, as, he, as he, 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 he works as if he is dealing with a patient. He diagnoses the patient and he, he offers the remedy and then calls for the response. So we are going to consider this portion of the Bible by looking at three things. First of all, we will look at God's diagnosis, and um, secondly, God's remedy, and thirdly, our response. First of all, let us look at God's diagnosis. Look at that verse again. John says, Behold the lamp of God who takes away the sin 
of the world. Notice how John speaks of the melody of humanity. He, he says the sin of the world. It, it is an expression that speaks of the condition the world is in in relation to God. Well, what John is doing here is giving God's diagnosis of the world. God's opinion of the world. And I should say, God's opinion is always objective. It is always true. It is not like our opinions that are mostly influenced by our own biases, our opinions that are subject to change. Today you think something is okay, and tomorrow you think different about that very same thing. You have a different opinion. You see, when it comes to the question of what is wrong with the world, many answers have been given in an attempt to answer this very question. For example, psychology says there is nothing wrong with humanity. Uh, Human nature is basically good. The, the, the bad actions that we see in people are the result of their past and, and what has been done to them in the past. Politics, on the other hand, say the problem with humanity is that they don't have a good political system. The the, the solution to the problem is to come up with the best policies that will help um, humanity to be the best it can. Get them out of poverty, offer them a good education, and everything will be well. And, and we should admit, right, that the past does affect people. And, and the evil action of people towards others can adversely affect them. We, we, we do not need, uh, and, and we also, we, we should realize that we do need a good political uh, system. We do need good political leaders who will come up with the best policies that will address issues of education and poverty properly. But these answers are mistaken to think that this is what is wrong with the world. You see, God's answer hits the target. The problem of the world is sin. The the testimony of scripture makes it clear that sin is the problem of the world. And it is at the the heart of every individual. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 When corruption was increasing on the face of the earth, Moses tells us of God's evaluation of the world. As as God looks at the world, this is his evaluation uh, in verse 5. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Solomon, the wise man, the wise king, makes an observation on humanity in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29. And this is what he says. He says, see, this alone I found, that God made men upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Paul, again, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, after painting a dark picture of the condition of humanity, telling us that we are all under sin, whether Jew or Gentile, that there is no one good, there's no one who does good, there's no one who seeks for God, he goes on in verse 23 to to say, uh, to drive the final nail forcefully by saying, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice John, what John says here 
uh, he says sin and not sins. He uses this singular term with the, with, the, with the collective noun world to show us that this malady has gripped everyone without exception. Jew or Gentile, white or black, educated or uneducated, all are under the grip of sin. All are under sin. And though it is bad that we are sinners, what's even worse, brothers and sisters, is that our sin is against a holy God. The, the, the sinfulness of sin is not so much in the, in the acts of sin, but in the fact that it is against God. And this helps us understand the penalty of sin. This helps us understand that it is just for God to respond to sin the way he does. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. Sin deserves death. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel says that the soul that sins must die. And as if we can't bear enough bad news, it gets even worse. What's even worse is that we can't do anything about the sin. We, we cannot work our way out of it. Our good works are not good enough. Our good works cannot take us out of sin. We, we cannot pull ourselves by our own bootstraps, to, uh, to, to, to use that term, to, 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 to find salvation. We can never end salvation with our good works. There's a line in a Stwana hymn where the singer speaks of the hopeless condition of, 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 of humanity without Christ. And this is what it says in Tuana. He says, Well, basically, in translation, what he's saying, he says, no matter how much I work, there is nothing that can help me. Even if I cry tears, my pains and sorrows cannot remove my sins if it is not only for Jesus. In other words, what we see that we see that we are hopeless without Jesus Christ. We, we are hopeless. We, we cannot do anything to save ourselves. We cannot do anything to remove the stain of sin. This reminds me of the, the picture of Lady Macbeth in her madness as she has she's burdened by the guilt of blood on her hands, on, on her conscience actually. And and she 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 is performing the act as if she's washing her hands and in her mind she sees this guilt is not removed that she keeps saying out damned blood. And there, there's nothing, there is no soap that can that can remove the stain of sin. There's nothing in this world that can remove the stain of sin, the guilt of sin, if it is not Christ. But here's the good news. In our hopelessness, the light that breaks out in this is the solution that is offered by God for our malady. So what God does, he diagnoses us. And secondly, he offers his remedy. We see God's remedy. God's remedy. 
Psychology says that man's problem is his environment. So take him out and put him in a new environment and, and you'll see a change in his life. Politicians say that man's problem is that he is uneducated and is poor. So give him a good education and get him out of poverty. All these things uh, can, 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 can deal with the problem of man. And we, we have to admit that although these can on some level deal with some of the social ills that people experience, but to expect them to deal with the problem of sin is the same as trying to deal or, or to heal a bullet wound with a panado. It is irrational and it is foolish. L- listen to what John says is God's solution here. He says, Behold, the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world. He, he speaks of the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world. In the mind of the Jews, the title Lamp of God would be associated with the Passover lamp of Exodus chapter 12. Uh, Remember in Exodus chapter 12 where God gives an instruction through Moses that the, the Jews are to smear the blood of a lamp on their doorpost so that when the angel of death comes, he may pass over their houses, that those who, who actually have the blood smeared on their doors, doorpost, they will be saved. That, that is the image that comes in the mind of the Jew. And, and also the image of the lamps that were used in the daily sacrifices for sin offerings. We see that in Leviticus 14 verse 2. In the temple, every morning and every evening, a lamb was sacrificed as a sin offering on behalf of the people. Because this was done daily, it indicated to those who were making these sacrifices the ineffectiveness of these sacrifices to truly remove sin. The problem still remained. The the, the reputation was a daily reminder that there is a need for a better sacrifice. I love how the, 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 the writer of Hebrews reflects on, on that in chapter 10, verse 3 to 4. He says clearly that in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sins. They cannot atone uh, truly for the sin of humanity. So, so the Jews knew that true hope for the, the removal of sin was in the coming of the Messiah. We see this in the way Isaiah prophesied of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 53, verse 7, as the one who will be led to the slaughter like a lamb. While the prophets in the Old Testament pointed to the coming Messiah, John points towards him. In fact, he's the only prophet whose prophecy comes to fruition in his, in his very eyes. The, the lamp of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's pointing towards him. He's not pointing to his coming. He's pointing to the fact that he whom the prophets prophesied about is here. 
These words of John speak of the mission of Christ who will give his life as a sacrifice to pay the penalty for sin. In the mind of the Jew, the Messiah would come for the, for, for the Jewish nation. But, but look here, John widens the scope and says he takes away the sin not of the Jews, not of the, of the Israelites, but of the world. It is not only the Jew alone, but also the Gentiles. He atones for the sins of the world. And John points again to the effectiveness of this atonement. He uses the words, takes away. Uh, the, 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 the word takes away can also mean take up, which, which speaks of Jesus taking away sin by taking it upon himself. This is the image depicted in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, where Peter says, He himself, speaking about Christ, bore our sin in his body on the tree, that we might die to, to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. The term takeaway as well is also in the present tense. It signifies the ongoing sufficiency of Jesus' sacrifice and the fact that it is available at all times for every sinner who will trust in him. He continues to take away the sins of, of, of people even today. He can take away your sin even today. He took away my sin and he can take away your sin. This taking away, and, and this, is, this is a glorious truth, this taking away, it does not have um, implications in this world alone where the power and guilt of sin are taken away but it also has an eschatological implication where sin will be truly com and completely taken away in, in this world we still struggle with the presence of sin even as Christians but there will come a time when we are in the presence of God in glory where sin would be truly taken away completely and fully, and we look forward to that day when we will be without sin, when we will rejoice in the lamp of God who has truly and, 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 and completely and fully taken away sin. God deals with sin through the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross. And this is the good news of Good Friday, right? God in his love has done what we could not do for ourselves. God uh, himself has, 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 has sent his son to die in our place, to, to take the punishment that was due to us. As, 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 as 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says in verse 21, that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we may be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is the good news uh, of, of Good Friday. This is what makes Good Friday good actually it is the fact that christ came and he died for sin on the cross god in his love has done this he has done what we could not do 
for ourselves. And in his love, he stretches out his arms and he calls us to come to him. He calls us to draw near to him. He calls us and he offers us forgiveness as we come to him. As we hear about this remedy that God has given us, what should be our response? How should we respond to this? We see the answer to this question in the third point, our response. Look at that first word as John starts speaking when he he sees Jesus coming toward him and he says, behold, behold. By this word, John the Baptist is saying, dear sinner, here is your hope. He is not pointing to the system of the Pharisees that says you must work your way to, to righteousness. He, he doesn't point to our own good works and says, trust in these to save you. He doesn't point even to himself as a great prophet. He, he's not pointing us to a church tradition. He's not pointing us to a political solution. He's not pointing us to a psychological solution. He's pointing us to Christ. He's pointing us to the perfect lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world, the sin of the world. That word behold can also be translated look. Uh, This is not like saying, look at my new sneakers, how nice they are, or or look at this art piece, how artistic it is. But, But dear friends, this is the same look that is being told to a man who is drowning in the sea and someone says, look, a lifeboat. The man understands that the call is not to say, look how nice the lifeboat is. Look how how colorful the lifeboat is. But he understands at that moment of misery, at that moment of drowning, that the, the look is actually saying, there is something that will rescue you from your drowning. By this word, John the Baptist is effectively saying to us, effectively saying to the disciples here, that look, the Savior has come. He is saying that, uh, look, when we could not do anything, when our good works were as filthy rags, when we could not do anything for ourselves, God has provided the perfect lamp of God. In our miseries, in our inadequacies, the voice that cries out in the wilderness says, look, the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world. That, that look is a, is a call to believe in Jesus Christ. It, it is a call to surrender our lives to him and trust him as the one who takes away our sin. The, 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 look, the, the call to look tells us that the sacrifice of Christ on the cross is sufficient and it is effective to reconcile us back to the Father. He, he does not only provide a possibility, but he provides us with, a sh- with an assurance that this sacrifice is, is sufficient and is effective for those who look to Christ. 
We can never look to Christ and be disappointed. We can never look to Christ and be turned away. We can never look to Christ and still be found to be in our sins. The look, when we look to Christ, it is a look of faith. It is a look of saying, here is my hope. It is a look of saying, here is my salvation. It is a look of saying, here is the refuge of my soul. In Numbers 21, when the people of Israel provoked God to anger, God sent snakes among them and they bit people and many died. Or when the people were convicted of their sins and they cried out and asked Moses to, 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 to pray for them, to, to, to make intercession for them, uh, God tells Moses to, to fashion a bronze serpent and raise it up on a pole. When those who were bitten by snakes looked up on the bronze serpent, they were healed. All that they had to do was look at the serpent that was raised. In John chapter 3, Jesus looks at this, this Old Testament event as pointing to him as the one who will be lifted up on the cross. He, he, and, he, and he says this in, in John chapter uh, 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 3, verse 14 to 15. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And look at what Jesus Christ is saying. He, he says that he's being lifted up on the cross. He, he's uh, uh, being cru- crucified on the cross. He's being uh, sacrificed. He's being the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, 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 draws those who believe in him and he gives them eternal life. Isn't it clear, uh, brothers and sisters, isn't it clear, uh, 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 friends, that we cannot save ourselves? Or we did not even save ourselves. It is clear that our salvation owes its origin to what Christ has done on the cross. We, 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 we cannot boast in the fact that I made a decision and, and, and so I, 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 I'm proud of the decision that I make. We, we, we boast in the fact that he chose me when I could not choose him. He, he, loves, he loved me first before I even began to love him. If he did not choose me, I would not on any given day have chosen him. And I want to speak to you, my dear friend, if you do not know Christ, the the words of John are still ringing true even today. Look at Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ who died for sin on the cross, Jesus Christ who was buried and who rose again on the third day for our justification so that we be made right with God. You see, there is no way of being made right with God outside what Jesus Christ has done. And here is the call to you and I. Here is the call that we look to him. Look to him. Jesus is calling you today. Will you look to him Will you give your life to him? Will you surrender to him? Will you behold the lamp of God who takes away the sin of the world? Take a few moments.
to think about this, to reflect on this, that, that you uh, may find true joy and true peace in the fact that Jesus Christ has become your Savior today. And you, believer, isn't this a, a moment to rejoice, to, to rejoice that we have Christ I, 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 I quoted the, 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 that stanza from that hymn, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. Uh, isn't this a moment to, to sing about this in, in the midst of the, the, the turmoil that we experience daily? We can bank on this very fact that my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. May God bless you as you take this time today to reflect with your families and to sing um, about the death of Christ and what he has accomplished for us. God bless you.